It's showtime. Okay! Tokyo! South America! Australia! France! Germany! UK! Africa! Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running on this 27th day of October 2022. This is The Horn, head on dot live. It's where you find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the Merry Wankies, any real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza that is The Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round, and whatever time it is where you're listening to the podcast, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening live. Thank you for being part of this amazing little radio community that has been managing to stay afloat, sometimes just barely, for, uh, yay, barely, almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, holy crap, um, I just realized we blew right past the Horniversary. That just struck me. Been so busy with so many other things. We blew right past the Horniversary. The, uh, well, let's see, uh, the, seven, the 17th year online only uh, in this manifestation was uh, three days ago. Mm-hmm. Three days ago. How did I not notice that? How did, how did I... Wow. But, uh, yeah, 17, just doing this. And then there's the uh, couple of years. Uh, so we're getting very... Yeah. Dang. That just blows my little mind. But here we are. Um, rapidly closing in on 20 years of progressive liberal broadcasting. Stunning. I mean, usually I'm focused on it, and but it's just everything we've been. I've been, and I think topical uh, in in terms of in terms of uh, uh, just the constant flow and overflow of information. But here we are, here we are working on another broadcast year now. Okay, billable. Okay, we're going to do that this early. Rowan, stop telling us what you're not noticing. <sighs> yeah, well, <laughs> dang gum. And, well, me, I'm a little, 
I'm a little punchy, quite candidly. I've been up since about 6 this morning. Um, got up, took care of everything, went over, picked up my daughter, took her to the dentist. The dentist office sits, by the way, where there's no internet connection, connectivity whatsoever. Um, and so I couldn't, couldn't read on Kindle, couldn't, nothing, couldn't, no. So, you know, I, I passed the time by thumbing through my latest uh, cosmetic circular from Ulta. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, but it, that, that just, wow. That amazes me. So, well, anyway, if you happen to go over to HeadOn.Live, and if you happen to wander into the chat room, you'll be greeted by early arrivers, and I'm sorry I was a couple of couple of minutes late, that's, that's definitely on me, but you'll be greeted by early arrivers, Squeaky, and Rick in Europe, and Anatole, and capably moderated by longtime inveterate, indefatigable veteran chat room moderator Sparky, who... Being a third-stage guild navigator has folded space to become man cave. Um, and, uh, well, when you pop by, you can be part of the fun. Uh, program note. Prob- you know what? We're going to wind up having some portion of a program tomorrow. I think if I blow out the door here at 7.30, I can be over, over in Beckley for the start of... Uh, uh, Rocky Horror that starts at 8, probably a little later so, uh, no, I'll, I'll be on the air tomorrow, I, I will I don't like the idea of missing a Friday on the front porch so um, let's count on that I'll just be knocking off a little bit early is that okay? Um, so, there we are and every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, this program is no different and so we say thank you so, uh, so very kindly to our 27th day of the month subscribers. That means thank you. Thank you so much to Robert in Australia. Thank you, uh, Robert. Thank you for uh, and, and hope you're okay. And thanks as well to uh, Jessica up in the uh, greater Rochester metropolitan co-prosperity sphere. Uh, Thank you, Jessica, for jumping in with your happy, uh, happy challenge. Uh, Jessica said, uh, I've been waiting for a supplier to send me an invoice for model railroad stuff to access PayPal, but here's the $15 I talked about. Thank you, Jessica, and uh, many happy returns to you and your beloved. Uh, Steve in New York says, another anniversary you're not noticing, the anniversary when the horn with Bob Kincaid became the horn with Robin Kincaid. Well, that would be, uh, that would be December 31st. No, I, I remember that one very well. That would be December 31st of 2020. Uh, we'll be coming up on uh, the beginning of our third year as, you know, the authentic program, I guess. I don't know. Uh, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, for Steve, for noticing. Um, 
Ralph says, I'll offer a $17 challenge for the Horniversary. Anybody wants to uh, celebrate the Horniversary, kick in 17 bucks, and uh, Ralph's will match it. So uh, that would get us. Because our fundraising goal is basically uh, um, $810. 810 bucks to finish the month of October, our Horniversary month. Um, plus, we have another challenge. Um, an anonymous individual says, uh, you know what? I'll give the horn $10 per online year for a total of 170 Wow, thank you. That's awesome. And that would get us, uh, that would get us down to, uh, well, let's see. That would get us down to, like, being current for a fundraising goal. And uh, Lee in New York says, Horniversary. Missed the Horniversary? Well, we know you're bad with numbers. Um, it's forgetting birthdays and anniversaries that can get, can get people in severe trouble. True enough. Happy Horniversary. Thank you, Lee, in New York. Um, and it, that wasn't at all part of the plan for the program. It just happened to, you know, when I said today is that, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to the Coke bottle tick? Uh, you mean, um, well, I don't have it to hand, I don't think. But, yeah, that's that, that's actually the beginning of the way the program used to end with a drive-by trucker song. Uh, Shucky Ducky, Trump's not a racist. <laughs> that's my message from Asa every evening. Now, Shucky Ducky, Trump's not a racist. Quoting that sage and dead philosopher... Herb Kane. So named by none other than um, Caribou Barbie. Godzilla from Wasilla. Right. But we're going to have... Uh, we're going to have no small amount of material for this evening. No, not at all. And uh, this being Thorn in the Side Thursday, we can spend some time with uh, Kanye, of course. Um, but we've got a bit of a um, well, not a bit of a, uh, we've got an update. An update regarding the murder in St. Louis at the Visual and Performing Arts High School. Um, you recall the kid's name was Orlando Harris, 19 years old, said to have suffered from abiding mental illness. More than anything, he left. Uh, you know, he left a manifesto. He said, "I don't have any friends. I don't have any family. I've never had a girlfriend. I've never had a social life. I've been an isolated loner my entire life. This was the perfect storm for a mass shooter." Guess what we've got here? That's right, another mass shooting by an incel. Lord. God 
this is it, yeah. He said he wanted to be the next national school shooter. He dressed all in black, put in earplugs to protect his ears uh, against the uh, noise of the gunfire. Yeah, an incel. Yeah, pretty much by his uh, by his own admission. Jeez. I guess it's only going to continue. Because the Congress isn't going to do anything about it. The state legislature of Missouri is not going to do anything about it. So... Ah, uh, yeah. Jesus. Ugh. Um... Oh, also, while we're at it, uh, we should probably make note of the fact that Clarence Pubes on the Coke can Fappy Thomas continues to slap America in the face. Good God, this man is crooked as a dog's hind leg. When he dies, he said they'll have to screw him into the dirt with an auger. Because, as it turns out, um, an organization called American Oversight got hold of some uh, messages under Florida's open meetings law. And, lo and behold, guess who Fappy was lunching with this past summer. That's right. Fappy was lunching with none other than white supremacist Florida Governor Ron Monkey-Up DeClantis, who only became governor with the help of real live, no kidding, Nazis. Uh-huh. And uh, in point of fact... Those messages show that uh, Fappy Thomas's assistant coordinated the details of the June 23rd, 2021 lunch at the Supreme Court. Yeah. And uh, uh, in another batch of emails, there was the, and this is Florida information, uh, Ginny Thomas went on to say in, in one of her messages, you know, Ginsurrectionist Thomas, said that Monkey Up had been in, in, uh, in, in, in communication, let's say, with uh, Fappy. 
at roughly the same time period. And then, well, uh, you get this. Fappy Thomas's office actually works to find jobs in right-wing governmental organizations with for for his uh, for his clerks. You know, the nasty little Ivy League law school students who are willing to prostitute themselves working for the likes of Fappy Thomas. And uh, he's got an assistant, Fappy does, named Sean Kelly Makel. And on April the 8th of this year, Sean Kelly Makel wrote to Monkey Up's office and sent the biographies of four of Fappy's clerks so that maybe the Monkey Up would give them jobs. And then on May 20th, made plans for Monkey Up and Fappy to uh, sit down and have lunch. On May 20th, uh, Sean Kelly Makel wrote... Justice Thomas will attend the June 23rd luncheon with Governor DeClantis and the Justice's four law clerks. Do you think that the governor would mind coming to the Supreme Court for lunch? Technically, we're still closed to the public, but the clerks can order lunch from a local restaurant or they can dine at Capitol Grill. Please let me know. And uh, then... uh, Sean Kelly Makel wrote again, The justice and his law clerks will dine in the Natalie Rehnquist dining room. Son of a gun, really? That's the first I've heard of that. The the, the taxpayers of the United States actually pay for a dining room in the Supreme Court named after the Opioid junkie, former Chief Justice's spouse, I guess. The Natalie Rehnquist dining room from 12 to 2 p.m. Oh, two-hour lunches. That's nice. Uh, Would the governor arrive with his security detail? If so, I would need his contact info for the security team here at the court. I'll let them handle the logistics on arriving to the court parking and so on. Uh, Does the governor have any food allergies or restricted diet? Oh, for pity's sakes. Well, here's the thing. By the time they wound up sitting down to lunch, it was the day before the Dobbs decision came down. Yeah. Get that. Imagine that. Knowing full well that the majority that he had cobbled together and the uh, and the opinion that he had ordered written by Sammy Badbreath Alito was already in the can and knowing full well that somebody had leaked a preliminary draft of that opinion which did not actually change much and it was probably someone in either Fappy's or uh, Sammy Badbreath's staff But he sat down to 
uh, have a little Lewinian with one of the single, if not the single most fascist governor in the entire United States. Does the governor have any food allergies or a restricted diet? Mm. He doesn't eat any blue foods. I'm sure he doesn't. You know, him being, yeah. It's just something about them all sitting there uh, going hammer and tongs at their lunch and in the Natalie Rehnquist dining room knowing that they were about to make second class citizens out of every person in this country capable of giving birth that and 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 they and they and nobody was nervous and nobody was disgusted and <sighs> no you know if we lived in a functioning republic <laughs> Why do I continue? If we lived in a functioning republic, there would be impeachment proceedings already underway for Clarence Pubes on the Coke can, Fappy Thomas. Or maybe there would be so, so such vociferous protests outside the Supreme Court building that maybe he would resign in shame and disgrace. But again, we don't live in a functioning republic. We live in a dysfunctional Republic, and uh, I should note that uh, uh, the the justices, well, they're uh, they they're having a bit of a uh, disagreement. And what I mean by that is that uh, the, 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 the justices are running around sort of having a proxy fight with each other um, in public appearances. Because uh, Sammy Badbreath, you remember he went all the way across the ocean to brag about immiserating uh, mil- tens of millions of Americans capable of giving birth and becoming pregnant. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did that. And uh, so uh, Sammy Badbreath gave a speech, oh, what, last Tuesday? And he was talking, where else, at the Heritage Foundation in Washington. And understand, you can walk out of the Supreme Court building and go right around the corner and you're sitting there staring at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, But I'm sure he was driven there just the same. Uh, But he complained at the Heritage Foundation that he... Someone also crosses an important line when they say that the court is acting in a way that's illegitimate. Here, let me help, Sammy Bad Breath, you fascist piece of shit. The court is illegitimate. The court is illegitimate because of the actions of Julius Geezer, Nitwit Nero, 
the guy that you propped up, the court is illegitimate because the court has on it people who have no business being there. I'm thinking primarily about the handmaid and brat who likes beer. And in particular, Anne's boy, Anne's boy Neil, who should never have been appointed to the uh, Supreme Court because actually, problematic though he may be, Merrick Garland should be sitting there right now. And who's, who can say? Uh, maybe Merrick Garland would have been as big a right-winger as, Anne, as, as Anne's boy Neil is. But Anne's boy Neil was the first domino. And so, yeah, yeah, Sammy Bad Breath, the court is illegitimate. And you know what? The American people know it. Uh, this past month, last September, uh, Gallup did some polling. I know, polling is troublesome, but sometimes it's interesting, it, it, at least helpful to get it, you know, to sort of take the temperature of the country. And they found out that the uh, trust and confidence level in the judicial branch generally in this country is at 47%. Gallup started polling on that topic in the 1970s. And that's the lowest it's ever been. Oddly enough, it fell to 47% from 67% in 2020. On the other hand, Justice Kagan, and this is and the, the the war of words is primarily between uh, uh, Justice Kagan um, and Sammy Bad Breath. Back in July, Justice Kagan said, "Overall, the way the court retains its legitimacy and fosters public confidence is by acting like a court, is by doing the kinds of things that do not seem to people political or partisan, by not behaving as though we are just people with individual political or policy or social preferences that we're, you know, making everybody live with." And then added, "She wasn't talking about any particular decision." And then old Balls and Strikes, who has been completely, thoroughly, and totally neutered by uh, Clarence Pubes on the Coke can, Fappy Thomas, who is, in fact, the real Chief Justice now, uh, he opined early in September, oh, simply because people disagree with an opinion is not a basis for questioning the legitimacy of the court. No, it's not because we disagree with the goddamn Dobbs decision. It's because the Dobbs decision was so clearly and obviously and nakedly a partisan political hack decision rammed down the throats of the American people by a gang of Federalist Society jurisprudential chop shop thug dead ender hard cases. Uh, Elena Kagan, though, is is determined to be a thorn in these old uh, old white and old black men's side. Uh, saying in uh, uh, in, a, in a speaking engagement in Rhode Island, 
The court should not be wandering around just inserting itself into every hot-button issue in America and shouldn't be doing that in a way that reflects one ideology or one set of political views over another. But Sammy Bad Breath is, is, is still grunting and pissing and moaning, saying, saying or implying that the court is becoming an illegitimate institution or questioning our integrity crosses an important line. Yeah. Uh, how, how, about, how about taking away rights granted to people? Does that cross an important line? And he's still making crocodile tear noises, saying that uh, uh, whoever leaked the uh, Dobbs decision, the, the the draft, it was a grave betrayal of trust by somebody. And it made the people who were in favor of overturning Roe targets for assassination that gave people a rational reason to think they could prevent that from happening by killing one of us. Uh, how about the... Uh, how about the people the Supreme Court is killing? You know, the real, live, flesh and blood, fully actualized human beings the court is killing by forcing them now to wait until they are at death's door before they can get relief for a spontaneous abortion. Yeah, well, that don't count. They're women's. If we wanted them to have rights, they'd say so in the original text of the Constitution. But you'll notice it says men and not women. Make no mistake. This Supreme Court is illegitimate and it can never, re it can never recover its legitimacy until, say, you know, the credibly accused ser uh, sexual abuser and liar... Fappy Thomas. Oh, and supporter of insurrection against the Constitution he swore to uphold is gone from the court. But that will not restore the legitimacy of the court. No. That won't happen until people like beer drinking brat uh, until his and the handmaids and Anne's boy Neil's and Sammy Badbreath's voices have been rendered impotent. Uh, Lady B with a note says, Uncle Fappy would think it was an honor to sit at the table hungry while Massa eats. Fuck that clown. He and Herman Cain should be playing cards together in hell, an eternal game that no one ever wins or loses with rock-hard pretzels and salty Gatorade. No bathroom breaks either. I hope he suffers from numerous urinary tract infections, too. That's, 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 that's a hell of a curse. And the fact of the matter is, you know, we already know from his behavior in regard to uh, 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 to, to Lady G, Lindsey Graham, as well as his behavior there with uh, lunching away with Monkey Up DeClantis. What is, what is what is a judge who is supposed to be above the political fray? 
doing lunching with an ideologue? Like I said, if we had a functioning con never mind. Uh, Steve in New York said to, oh, dear, dear Robin, that can't be true. Jenny says Forrest Fappy never gets into politics. Uh, right. When anybody's listening. Right? Yeah. And, uh, legitimacy of the court, Steve notes, uh, we're at a plessy level of illegitimacy. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder if uh, uh, Fappy and Sammy Badbreath would note that the court was illegitimate when it made its Plessy decision. Because if you poll just about any law professor, especially any constitutional law professor in this country, and a whole shit ton of jur uh, jurists, uh, they'll say, yeah, Plessy was one of the worst decisions ever rendered by this Supreme Court, perhaps short only of Dred Scott. And it was an illegitimate court that rendered that decision, those nasty old white men. Um, I, you're right. You're right, Steve. Scott in San Diego says, uh, question, if you'd been a clerk at the Supreme Court, which justice would you have liked to clerk for and why? If you were a twee, what kind of twee would you be? Uh... God, uh, are, are we in real time? If I'd been, um, if I'd, you know, like maybe back when I was, you know, having my cup of coffee in law school, uh, the coolest thing would have been to actually uh, work for uh, Justice Brennan. But in the here and now, oh, without a doubt, Katanji Brown Jackson. Because I have a feeling she's going to make these uh, these old men really uncomfortable and probably will make. The handmaid pretty uncomfortable too, because remember, Katanji Brown Jackson has actual, no kidding, real live trial experience, whereas the handmaid has experience being a member of <sighs> a cult. Lee in New York says, uh, "Stop it, Robin." Clarence the Clown was selected for his inability to see irony or feel emotion. Do you think he felt shame over Anita Hill? Yeah, he'll not be he'll not be resigning in shame and disgrace because he is incapable of feeling either. And you're not wrong. Scott says, acting like a court. What a concept. Pass me the smelling salts and let me sit down a moment. And didn't you love the oh, they've made they've made us targets for assassination. Nobody's taken a single shot. And, of course, in this, this article that I was looking at for the background on this uh, uh, from the Associated Press down toward the bottom of the article, you get the... Uh, After the leak, but before the final opinion came out, a man was arrested near the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh, one of the justices who ultimately voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. The 26-year-old Californian called 911 himself to report he was having suicidal thoughts and planned to kill Kavanaugh. He was charged with attempted murder and has since pleaded not guilty. He, he, never, he never squeezed off around. He never drew a bead on anything or anyone. See, that's, that's how our side does things when we fuck up.
their side, well, they sit around in basements covered in Cheeto dust and then go out and slaughter children in schools. Uh, and by the way, oh, Lady B, a cowbell, please, says Ralph. I could not agree more. Uh, Matt in San Francisco, subject line targets. If they feel they're targets for assassination, they can thank Mitch McConnell. That's true. And pools of blood and dust on his desk. And Mitch McConnell, who wouldn't let Merrick Garland even have a hearing and made up an entirely bullshit, bogus uh, Senate precedent uh, just for the occasion. You're right. You're right. Oh, and I mentioned we'd be dealing with Kanye at some point. Uh, if Kanye was a woman, Matt says, someone would have been assigned as his conservator and they would be in control of all assets. The man has an untreated illness. For anyone who has dealt with a family member with mental illness, I, like, uh, like, like, like me, the Kanye thing can be very triggering. Wow, Matt. I, d yeah, I, I, and I know you have dealt with that. And it must be. It must be triggering. That's because Kanye has uh, come completely unglued. And Matt's right. Uh, Kanye would have long since been Britney Spears and wouldn't be able to control a, <laughs> a penny of his own money. And this trenchant observation from a few minutes ago from uh, Brother Deacon Asa, does Uncle Slappy realize that if decisions were up to Ron DeClantis, Slappy would be seated in a segregated section in that Natalie Rehnquist dining room during that very luncheon? Seated? Are you kidding? He'd be in livery and serving, you know, the white folks. Um, yeah, Stephen New York said, for whom would I clerk? Thurgood Marshall or Brennan? Yeah, Thurgood Marshall would be awesome. Um, Steve noting, uh, breaking news, crisis in hell. Satan has evicted Rush, who is still dead, and has indicated he will not take Clarence or Brett Kavanaugh either. Crisis in the hereafter because God doesn't want them either, which means they can't live for eternity in purgatory. Sources say God and Satan are collaborating to build something akin to a celestial FEMA camp or sending them to Kolob. News at 11. Wait. It's the sending them to Kolob part that makes it cowbell worthy and, and uh, uh, truly comical. It making Amy uncomfortable, Lady B says. Robin, you're a white woman, but you got to understand what the phrase white women's tears means. All Amy has to do is go crying to her peers about how Katanji was looking at her funny and the white wing would try to get her impeached. Karens, Karens everywhere, nor anyone to think. I added the nor anyone to think because I'm a Coleridge fan. Thank you, Lady B. You're not wrong. Uh, hopefully, some uh, hopefully Katanji can go all um, Cicely Tyson on 
the handmaid's uh, Sandy Duncan's glass of water. Just saying. That's probably wrong on a number of levels, but, well, I said it. Okay, Kanye. It, it really is. It's time. It's time for somebody to take him in hand. Apparently, the one place where he can still post something is Instagram. Uh, now that now that Kanye has gone way down the uh, down the Nazi rabbit hole and talked about going Death Con three on Jews and wearing White Lives Matter t-shirts and the like uh, after Nazis hung banners in support of him on, on the 405 in L.A. Well, yesterday he showed up unannounced at the HQ of the Skechers Shoe Company. That after Adidas, which really, no kidding, made shoes for the Nazi army, um, you know, the word Adidas comes from the name of one of two brothers, Adolf Dossler. Uh, his nickname was Adi, and I guess more properly pronounced, Adidas would be Adidas. Oddly enough, that's the way I've pronounced it all along. Adidas. Um, they were very slow to act, but they finally did actually do the right thing and cut all ties with Kanye because they realized they didn't need their own Nazi past drawn up. You know, their their shoe factory was used for uh, munitions production for the Third Reich during the Second World War. Adi Dossler's brother, whose name I can't remember, went on to found the competing shoe brand Puma. And I don't, and, and, and since I'm not a right winger, I don't have to spend, I, I don't have to burn my uh, cute little pair of uh, Adidas Gazelle uh, pink suede uh, sneakers. You know, right wingers do that kind of thing. What? Nike, Nike's going to continue to do business with Colin Kaepernick and him out there, uh, out there kneeling at our national anthem. Uh, I'm going to have to go out and burn my Nikes, burn all my Nike stuff. Okay, you do that, Cletus. Uh, but it was apparently quite a, a, a hit to Kanye to be dumped by Adidas because he was making a shit ton of money selling shoes. You know, him and uh, Al Bundy out there selling shoes. Never mind. Uh, and so he's apparently I mean, described as being out billions of dollars. Of course, he didn't have any billions of dollars. He was a, he was a paper billionaire. Uh, hell, he'd probably have to borrow money to you know, ride the bus, but... Oh, well. Uh, he got dumped by Adidas. Took long enough. But Adidas did the right thing. Balenciaga did the right thing. Creative Artists Agency did the right thing. Jesus, now he's been dumped by TJ Maxx? 
And now he's off the Forbes billionaire list. Oh, Kel Ora. Among other things, he said, Jewish people have owned the black voice. The Jewish community, especially in the music industry, they'll take us and milk us till we die. And then, because he is truly disgusting, he went on Instagram to say, I haven't got supermodel pussy in over a month. L. And, uh, I lost $2 billion in one day and I'm still alive. This is love speech. I still love you. God still loves you. The money's not who I am. The people is who I am. That that when he got mad at Creative Artists Agency. Uh, Ari Emanuel, I lost. I'm, uh, this is love's bright. Yeah. Now, there probably should be a conservatorship, but you can get away with being um, wealthy and hatefully vulgar if you're deemed to be you know, wealthy enough. How can we miss you, Kanye, when you won't go away? Meanwhile, you know, you, you, he keeps making noises about running for president again, but instead, Nitwit Nero was running his mouth at the PGA today. Because the PGA Tour didn't want anything to do with a golf tour funded by a guy who paid for murder for hire schemes against American nationals, Jamal Khashoggi. Um, Starting tomorrow, the LIV, uh, what, uh, the 54 uh, 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 golf tour, uh, they're holding their first season-ending golf championship. Where else? At the uh, Nitwit Nero National Course in the greater Miami area. Talking to reporters after cheating at 18 holes of golf in the Pro-Am competition, he said, I think the two really blew a great opportunity, and now they're in a much more difficult position. It's big time. It's big time money. Unlimited money. They love golf. They actually love golf, and the Saudis have done a fantastic job, especially when it comes to chopping an American national up into, like, Saudi chutney. I mean, the enthusiasm, you hear the music. I added that part. The enthusiasm, you hear the music, you hear a lot of things, it's different, and so we're having a good time. Uh, they went on to ask him if uh, he thought the LIV tournament was the future of golf. And I don't know. I think that ultimately maybe something gets worked out, but the tour mishandled it so badly. The people at the top, something should happen with them. They mishandled it so badly that maybe they should be impeached. I don't know what. 
They had not only an advantage, they're dealing with very good people with unlimited money. See, that's what's all that's what matters to him. They got unlimited money. I don't have unlimited money. I mean, hock up to my uh, up to my nasty little orange eyebrows with with some fences in Minsk. Yeah, they're good people with unlimited money who murder whenever they want to. Uh, something could have been worked out very easily, and the tour decided to go, as Richard Nixon said, to stonewall it. That didn't work out too well for them. Really, throwing a Nixon quote in. <sighs> yeah. And then it went near us. A lot of other people are coming over to the live tour. You know, that big names, they're coming over. The star system is always very important in sport, in sport or anything else. If you don't have the star system, you're not going to be successful. And then went on to make a pitch for, uh, for the British Open to be held at his dumpy, uh, his dumpy course in Scotland. And, of course, he wants to... God, can you imagine what four more years of this fool will be like? <laughs> Funny how how uh, uh, the various pundits run around talking about how, you know, Joe Biden may be too old to be president next time. It's not like Nitwit Nero's 20 years younger than Biden. But never mind, the world's, you know, the world's on fire. And Nitwit Nero's worrying about golf tournaments. But there's a $50 million prize money purse in play uh, as the, uh, as the uh, Bonesaw Tour kicks off its first championship weekend. And that's a lot of, uh, buy a lot of bone saws. But uh, Phil Mickelson, who shanked the PGA Tour and went over to the Saudis, uh, keeps saying, oh, it's not going away. But uh, he was asked yesterday about his tour versus the PGA, and and say this team, and it's a team, it's a team championship, kind of like the the Ryder Cup. And he said, "Well, there's some elements of those team events that can apply, that knowledge and experience can help, and there's some that simply don't." We don't have anybody sitting out, and we don't have a rich history and probably the pressure that those other events have, whereas this is a really fun event. Like, we're having a blast, you know, when we don't think about Jamal Khashoggi being uh, chopped into human ceviche. And it's being billed as a big fun event, you know, if you can get past the human ceviche part. Um... Twelve teams, shotgun starts, good vibes, great eats, live music. 
And, of course, uh, signing on to be part of the entertainment at a Miami Beach venue uh, is uh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, Snoop Dogg decided to take that sweet, sweet bone saw money. The teams are divided into bullshit golf clubs that aren't real golf clubs. And even if you lose, uh, the losers in the, yeah, they'll get a quarter of a million dollars each. It, uh, for the winners who make it to Saturday semi Saturday semifinals, uh, if you lose, it's going to be worth $3 million to you, uh, $750,000 for each of the four players. Disgusting. Amoral. Ethically dead. <sighs> yeah. Hey, let's pop down to Georgia for a sec. You know, where they're still bragging about the turnout for early voting. Um, a guy named Michael Smith lives in Cobb County, Georgia. That's a pretty... Well, suffice to say, there's probably a lot of Michael Smiths in the United States and in... Uh, even in Cobb County, Georgia, there's probably more than a few. Well, Michael Smith tried to go and cast an early vote uh, three days running. But every time he tried to vote there in Smyrna, Georgia, uh, he used to live close to Smyrna, uh, they found out that his, his voting record was shifted from Cobb County, in, in where Smyrna is, to a different county that he's never lived in. Michael Smith said they literally had no record of me. He, meanwhile, Michael Smith, has lived at the same address for the last 16 years. Here's my address. No record of you at that address. Here's my name. Well, my name is worthless, okay? This is the third time in three years that Michael Smith's voting record was punted over to the wrong county. And the Cobb County Board of Elections spokes creep tried to punt it off on a different county, saying, Oh, well, the county keeps transferring the voter record because they have a Michael Smith, and they keep mistaking this voter for their voter. It, gee. I wonder how such a thing might happen. And look it. Michael Smith is a white dude. So, Michael Smith came back on the 25th day of October, two days ago, tried to vote again. Found out once again that he couldn't. And that time they said it wasn't because his record had been moved. They told him he had already voted. 
I go to sit down and get a ballot, and somebody's, oh, somebody's voted for you. You can imagine what was going on in my head. It was like, oh, heck no, I haven't. How could I have voted? Because the record wasn't in my location yesterday. And then they asked him for his passport for a signature match on the already cast ballot. She said, uh, this is not your signature. These don't even match. All this hubbub about we're going to match signatures and make sure if voters are legit. If you voted on my record, how could a signature that different be accepted as a valid signature? Well, here's the thing. In Cobb County alone, there are 80 active registered voters with the name Michael Smith. All across Georgia, there are 172 pages, which could be as many as 1,720 Michael Smiths. But imagine that a Republican-dominated legislature seems unable to sort out a question like that where, you know, it's 1,720 people with 1,720 separate addresses. Yeah. And he can't get a, he can't even get an absentee ballot because this the secretary the Republican Secretary of State's office says no absentee ballot shall be mailed to an address other than your permanent mailing address in the voter registration record or a temporary out-of-county or out-of-municipality address, except in the case of a voter who has a physical disability or is in custody in a jail or other detention facility. In which case, why they want to vote anyway. So he tried to vote again yesterday. Michael Smith did. And, uh, they stopped him again. But Michael Smith, being a white guy, won't say that it's voter fraud. Uh, this is where voting problems start. Once is acceptable, twice is a problem, third time's incompetence. I've been, in essence, disenfranchised at this point through no fault of my own. Well, poor little you. Wonder how many times you voted Republican. Uh, he told uh, 11 Alive. Is there any 11 dead TV channel out there? Okay. According to the Secretary of State, I've already voted. To which you might imagine my answer was, Oh, no, I didn't. You need to resolve this. This is not my signature. That's not my ballot. And I did not make that request. I'm a person. I have a voter ID number. It belongs to me. It's my personal information. It's my exercise. Ex exercise. My vote. Uh, he hopes to have the situation resolved soon. But he says he's going to keep showing up every day till he does get to vote. <sighs> yeah. Um, uh, Lee in New York, going back to Ye uh, Kanye West selling shoes. Al Bundy, yes, I got the married with children obligatory reference. Kanye's more like Al Bundy now. Neither is selling shoes, but Al keeps trying. Well done, Lee. Uh, Ralph says, here, I was thinking the next live event would be at Trump Doral. I, well, I think it kind of is. Trump National is Doral, you know, bed bugs, etc. Uh, Matt in San Francisco, the, the star system is important. 
Does he mean like his inaugural parade with no-name bands and a guy driving a tractor? Oh, God. <laughs> guy driving a tractor. That's... But Matt, that's all. That's right up there with counsel for a parking garage. Uh, meanwhile, Clarence writes in, subject line Kanye, Corporate America is responding to Kanye's Jewish comments. I did not hear a word when that Kanye fool said slavery was a choice. Just saying. You're not wrong, Clarence. You're not wrong. As to Michael Smith, Stephen New York says... Oh, dear, dear Robin, this is not about them not knowing how to handle the 1,720 Michael Smiths. This is them knowing exactly how to disenfranchise 1,720 people. You know, pretty soon you, you, you start fooling around with numbers like that, and pretty soon you're disenfranchising the margin of victory in a race. Uh, as to Michael Smith, Lady B says, uh, My grandma, who didn't know how many jelly beans were actually in the jar expresses her sympathies that I, I, I can hear the, and I can hear the profundity of that sympathy even as we speak uh, back in two thir- uh, 2013 Asa tells us Adidas dropped another rapper namely Rick Ross for merely mentioning Molly in his lyrics how much does a Nazi have to, uh, have to do to get dropped around here wow one single drug reference. Uh, thank you for that illuminating factoid, Brother Deacon Asa. So we're now fully an hour into the program, and we have uh, taken down the fundraising goal thanks to the uh, thanks to the. Uh, Ten, uh, the, uh, the the 10-year multiplier for the Horniversary. Uh, let's see. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're down to $640 to go. And uh, there's a uh, another challenge, a $17 challenge from Ralph's for anybody who wants to jump in and mark the Horniversary. Yeah, ten dollars times seventeen years, not seventeen dollars times ten years. Yeah, but right, it's the seventeenth anniversary. Ah, me and ciphering. Thank you, Ralphs. Thank you. Uh, Kanye West, Scott in San Diego says, uh, maybe a sharp whack up against his head with a Brannock device might knock a little sense. Now let's not be talking. No, now stop that. I don't think there's a cure. Uh, And then, of course, there's Lady G. Um, Jahan Jones, writing at MSNBC, said, Optics, Lindsay! Optics! Let's start with some quick advice. If you're ever caught publicly snarling about how much social capital having a black friend will buy you, uh, stop and think. You've taken a wrong turn somewhere. Somebody should relay that message to Senator Lindsey Graham who could clearly use a few more black friends and a bit of common sense, referring to his showing up with uh, uh, Hirsch to deny yet another abortion pressure campaign. Uh, 
South Carolina Republican appeared alongside Georgia U.S. Senate candidate Herschel Walker for a joint interview with Fox News' Sean Hannity on Wednesday, speaking, at times hollering, on Walker's behalf. And in a cringeworthy diatribe attempting to dunk on Democrats, Graham portrayed Walker as the GOP's token black friend right in front of his face. Pointing his finger at Walker, Graham told Hannity that Walker changes the entire narrative that the GOP is a party full of racists. Uh, yeah. Now, what happens when the Republic... Well, you know what? Let's, let's just do the uh, cringy audio and have done with it, shall we? Yeah, why not? Because it's gross, but it's even more gross when you hear it in uh, Lin- Lindsay's own uh, little... Uh, Uh, musical uh, acts Mm. here we go they're scared to death of Herschel Walker because if Herschel Walker becomes a Republican every other young child in America of color might want to be a Republican that's what they're trying to do. Don't let them get away with it. TeamHerschel.com. I want the biggest night for the Herschel Walker campaign to be tonight. Yeah, boy, he's pointing that thing. Did everything short of taking off his shoe and pounding on the table. And I mean, he uh, that, that, fa- that face of Lindsay's done turn plum pink. Literally, plum pink. Huh. <sighs> Right. Um, uh, Cowbell says Lee in New York for Brannock device. Okay. Lady B says uh, Scott in San Diego, perhaps a short, sharp shock to the head. But then again, like my daddy said, brothers like that are hard-headed, so it wouldn't do him any good either way. Y'all are rough. So anyway, we are uh, uh, we're into the first hour of the program. It is a Thursday, so that means we have the Green News Report, courtesy of Brad Friedman and Desi Doyen, um, to check in with. Uh, you know, it, it, talk about me being a little ray of sunshine. Yeah, Brad, Desi, what do you got? It's Thursday, October 27, 2022. After a year of brutal drought this winter, NOAA is predicting warmer temperatures in much of the country and below normal precipitation. Drought deepens across the U.S., disrupting crops and increasing fire risks. U.N. warns emissions are rising and nations must do more to avoid catastrophe. Plus, this bus symbolizes so much about our collective investment in our future. Biden administration kicks off transition to all electric school buses. The wheels on the bus go round and round in those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The UK's next prime minister will be former Chancellor Rishi Sunak, 
who will be Britain's first leader of South Asian descent, its first Hindu prime minister, and the nation's first leader of color. Which means, which means, Britons will be able to run their entire power grid off the turbines connected to Queen Victoria spinning in her grave. We'll take any innovation we can get. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we're starting off winter with some not good news from Noah. Nope, not good at all. Drought is deepening across large swaths of the U.S., threatening parts of the nation's food supply and hydroelectric power, killing crops and increasing fire risks. That's according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The federal U.S. Drought Monitor reports that more than 80% of the country is experiencing at least abnormally dry conditions. The high highest percentage since the drought monitor launched in 2000. Extreme drought is expanding in the Midwest, triggering federal cash assistance programs for farmers and livestock ranchers in hard-hit areas. On the Mississippi River, record low water level is dramatically curtailing barges, transporting crops, steel, oil, and other commodities, raising shipping costs by 300 percent. The only real solution is waiting for the rain to return, according to Wall Street Street Journal reporter Cameron McWhorter. There's hope that beginning around December, rain will start to fall in the Ohio River Valley to an extent where it'll start to bring that water back down to the Mississippi and things will get better. If not, we're all in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Keep hope alive. As the world gears up for the next round of U.N. climate talks in Egypt in a few weeks, the annual U.N. Emissions Gap Report in advance of the conference finds, again, that nations' current voluntary emissions reductions and climate adaptation pledges are not enough to keep temperatures from rising above the 1.5 degrees Celsius target in the Paris Climate Agreement. That is the threshold for preventing catastrophic impacts for people and nature. Current pledges put humanity on track to hit 2.5 degrees Celsius of warming by the end of this century, with the report warning that countries need to cut annual emissions by 40 percent by 2030. A second report by the World Meteorological Organization finds emissions of three potent climate warming gases, carbon monoxide, methane, and nitrous oxide, all reached record concentrations in the atmosphere last year. A third report from UNICEF, the United Nations Children's Fund, warns that children will be increasingly exposed to extreme heat events. Today, one in four children experience extreme heat waves, but by 2050, that's within 30 years, all children will be exposed to more frequent extreme heat waves. Man, we suck at this. The report calls for more international funding to help vulnerable communities and people adapt and prepare. Yes, please. Here in the U.S., the Fish and Wildlife Service this week granted federal endangered species protection to iconic emperor penguins, the world's largest penguin species. The species is in danger of extinction in coming decades mm. due to man-made global warming, melting sea ice, and destabilizing the habitat. 
But there is some good news. Thank you. Australia is building the world's largest battery, 850 megawatts, to replace a massive polluting coal-fired power plant. Now, actually, it's a bunch, it's a series of batteries. It's not like one big, great, big, <laughs> enormous AA battery, right? That is true. Okay. That would be one gigantic energizer bunny. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Finally, Vice President Kamala Harris was in Seattle on Wednesday to roll out the first installment of funding from the bipartisan infrastructure law to help school districts replace polluting diesel-fueled school buses. The first billion dollars in grants will pay for 2,500 all-electric buses in 400 school districts across all 50 states, with billions more to come. High school junior Audrey Gamerick, who introduced Vice President Harris, called on adults to do more. Transitioning from fossil-fueled buses to clean energy is a step in the right direction towards ensuring a prosperous future for younger generations. But it cannot be our last. Sustainable practices such as the Clean School Bus Program in American schools set a standard of climate-centered action to be mirrored throughout society. Cool. Are they going to put seatbelts on them this time? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. God knows I love that bus. Okay, well... I mean, who didn't want to walk across the dry Mississippi River? <sighs> you know, it might be time for us to take this whole climate change thing seriously. I noted a uh, an article in the last couple of days that... Uh, well, uh, the uh, UN says that uh, we're nowhere near meeting our goals for protecting this planet as a habitable place for the human species. But, oh well, you know, because Herschel's out there making the Republican Party safe for young black men. You know, I, and I, I, might, I might want to point out that uh, there's, there's, there may be something to what uh, Lady G said about Hirsch and what he's doing for the Republican Party. Because in point of fact, you know, Herschel has this history of holding guns to people's heads and holding a gun to his own head and threatening to kill people. And... Just this past Monday, a young black man named Orlando Harris took his AR-15 to the St. Louis Visual and Performing Arts High School, wasted two people, uh, maimed a bunch of others with his Second Amendment freedom protector, and uh, then got killed himself. So maybe Herschel's already winning. Yeah. Okay, let's uh let's keep things going. 
and run over to the stress line. Hey, welcome to the program. Well, I think they're mispronouncing Mr. West's new name. Uh, didn't you say several years ago the proper pronunciation of that spelling is the? Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, the. Yes, the. At least, you know, well, among, other, among others pointing that out. It, Dave, rhymes, uh, it, it, it rhymes with duh, but then, you know. Yeah. I, I think he, I, you know, I think there's a new, uh, there, there's possibly a new uh, log cabin closet uh, power couple that could be formed if it could just be worked out. And that's if we get... Uh, then Mr. West and Mr. Walker together and have them walk hand in hand on the campaign trail. I think they'd be the new Republican power couple. They'd be saying stupid things. Right. And but, yeah, it, who knows? But, you know, it could serve it, 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 to the same extent that Lady G said that he could serve as a uh, an inspiration to young black men. And he's already apparently already done that with one. Uh, maybe, maybe this could be uh, this could be the entree in that, that the Republican Party needs into the LGBTQ community. Well, I, I, I'm, well, you know, if, if Lady G won't do it himself, then you know he's going to have to to get to get him over that line. But uh, you know, I. Uh, Things here at the blind are doing okay. Uh, we have the annual uh, game between the geese and the dogs, uh, which is the side yard stomp. It's all good fun until somebody gets too close to a nest or something and then tempers flare. But, uh, yeah, things are over, over here. Uh, but... Uh, Speaking of Lady G, I was listening to a podcast, and it's a series of, it's called History Tellers, and they did a six-part series on the Cold War as their initial, and the narrator is Lindsey Graham, that one. I don't know what's going on, Dave, but you're 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 breaking up something fierce. Oh, sorry. Must have slipped. Uh, if you want, if you want to try dialing back in, maybe we'll get a better connection. Let me do that. Uh, I'll be all right. Okay, sta- I'll, I'll, we'll be standing by. I hate it when that happens because that. You know. Dave brings good content. Um, oh, and by the way, Lady B said, uh, P.S., yes, I know what Pink Floyd meant. A sharp, yeah, sharp, short shock to the head. Uh, no NSA, Lady B says, I'm not advocating for Kanye's demise. I just want him to shut the fuck up. And I'm glad I'm glad that uh, Dave did point out that, yeah, several years ago we talked about it because you ye old general store. No, it's the... That Y is actually a 
hard th the so i'm thank you dave for reminding me that i've been mispronouncing his name all is the the west which curiously the uh, right wing gets all upset about a lot you know the demise of the west right you there dave Yes, I am. Okay, we will cross our yes. fingers and hope this works a little bit better this time. All right. Well, I cursed us. I cursed us. Yeah, you're breaking up all over the place. I don't know what's going on. Hello? I don't think... It, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's either there or it's here. Um, let me see if anything. Am I? No, I'm not buffering. You're coming in clear to me. Okay, now you are to me. Maybe you need to stand like uh, you know, with one foot and the tongue and well, one arm in the air. And well, I, 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 I'm sitting in the chair. I've got my heels on the floor at a 45 degree angle, and I don't dare move. Otherwise, you know, uh, as I used to say when when I was a kid. Uh, we're having technical difficulties. Please stand by. And oh, like, or in this case, sit. Like young idiots, we would stand right next to. And it comes and goes. I hate this. Yeah, Dave. This, I don't know for some reason or another. This evening, the goddess of irony uh, says says this is a bust. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week, then. All right. I'm sorry. It's just... No, it's okay. Technical problems are technical problems. And, you know, the price of rubber chickens is uh, enormous. They're nearly uh, $10 per, per chicken now. Yeah, I know. That... I priced it at Walmart. Uh, it's nuts. Yeah, well, it makes the sacrifices a real sacrifice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to pass the collection plate a few more times just to get a, get get a rubber chicken dinner going. I mean, you're not you're not wrong. All right, all right. I'll talk to you later. Hopefully, somebody else can get here and it'll clear up. I, I hope so. I, well, if somebody else does call in on the stress line, we'll find out if it's this end or that end or some end or another. Dave, take care. Give our best to Chris. I've been Christine, having please. some problems. We will. Bye. Bye. Darn it. I hate that. Uh, you know, once upon a time, everybody talked on the same phone and, uh, oh, well. Yeah. So the lines are open if you want to engage in some Thorn in the Side Thursday conversation. You are more than welcome to join in. Uh, Bob Kincaid Horn on Skype and... Uh, Eight six six eight or eight four four eight four Jesus eight four four eight four three four six seven six. I've only been saying this for years. Eight four four the horn, and that'll get you right into the program. A few other things to contemplate on this here Thorn in the Side Thursday. I, I mentioned uh, not keeping up with climate change goals well um, a group of doctors 
issued a report saying that, uh, and this was through the Lancet, the, the prestigious British medical journal, They say that uh, record profits for fossil fuel companies are making their lives and their ability to treat their patients much harder. A hundred authors were involved in The Lancet's annual report on climate change and health. They examined the effect of heat waves, drought, air pollution on uh, human populations. Dr. Renee Salas, who is an emergency medical physician at MassGen and Harvard Medical School, is one of the 100 authors. Dr. Salas said, The burning of fossil fuels is creating a health crisis that I can't fix by the time I see patients in my emergency department. Fossil fuel companies are making record profits while my, my patients suffer from their downstream health harms. Well, Dr. Salas, I would add it's downstream and it's downwind. And it results in them being, in your patients being down in the dirt. Uh, They didn't pull any punches, these contributors, to this article at The Lancet. Dr. Jerry Abraham, the director and chief vaccinologist at Kedron Community Health Center in L.A., who wasn't on the report, said it highlights the harm the fossil fuel industry has really wreaked in creating this crisis. Foe is a harsh word, but it has to be used. The annual report catalogs the health impacts of change worldwide in a separate policy brief over uh, outlines impacts in the U.S. So, Let's take a look at what the fossil fuel industry is funding. Heat-related deaths worldwide are up by some 68% since the beginning of the millennium. Uh, That's from two separate surveys between 2000 and 2004, and a second one between 2017 and 2021. Things got worse with COVID, of course. And, of course, COVID in its own right was impacted by climate change because of the encroachment of human, ha- of, of, of human populations on um, wild animal habitat. Extreme heat was linked to 98 million cases of hunger worldwide. Here in the United States... People over age 65, uh, heat-related illnesses are up by some 74% in the same time period. And there's the devilment of Appalachia. Tiny particles released into the air as pollution during fossil fuel use were responsible for 1.2 million deaths in 2020. About 11,840 U.S. deaths were attributable to particulate air pollution, according to Salas. Of course, we know that statistically, um, in the last decade or so, about 1,000 people die a year in the mountaintop removal counties of West Virginia alone, not taking into account um, 
Kentucky or Virginia or Tennessee. Now those aren't com- those aren't combustion particulates. Those are ultrafines. Again, the, uh, par- particles roughly one one hundredth the diameter of a human hair. And when you blow up a mountain in Appalachia, this part of Appalachia, it, 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 most of the mountains made of sandstone. And so those tiny, tiny little particles, when you look at them under a microscope, well, they look like little itty-bitty pieces of jagged glass, and they go in and behave inside your body like little pieces of jagged glass. And about eight years' worth of consistent exposure, uh, according to the Mary Bab Randolph Cancer Center, results in uh, tumorogenic changes. You know, cancer. So that's the particulates worldwide, in particular in Appalachia. Uh, The report notes that since the 1950s, temperature, precipitation, and population changes have caused diseases to become more transmissible as spread by mosquitoes. Leading the list are dengue fever, chikungunya, and Zika. All of those are up by about 12%. Uh, In the United States alone, the transmission of dengue fever is up by 64%. You know, every night on the news, they'll have a quick reader on the on the stock market. And the S&P 500 was up two points. The uh, NASDAQ up a point and a half. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained two points today. Wonder what would happen if you had the same sort of little reader every night on the increase in dengue fever by mosquito, a, a mosquito-borne illness as a result of climate change in the United States. Something we've learned the hard way here in Appalachia, because remember, Appalachia is the cradle, at least in the United States. Appalachia is the cradle of climate change. This is where powerful white-run corporations first began gouging and scraping and digging and burrowing uh, to get it coal to fuel the Industrial Revolution. They did so mired in the blood of, well, in West, uh, and, and, you know, in, um, oh, just central Appalachia over the last 120 years or so, about, you know, uh, about a thousand people a year dying, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh But it makes it hard, it makes life, well, it becomes an existential crisis. Natasha K. Desjardins, lead author of the U.S. Policy Brief in this Lancet article, assistant professor at the University of Louisville, said there's strong evidence that climate change is associated with more depression, stress, post-traumatic stress disorder, and anxiety, uh, anecdotally, I can say that Dr. Desjardins is probably correct. You know, in the activist spaces where I've been uh, involved, 
there are constant reminders to be cognizant of self-care because it will, you know, the struggle will eat you alive. Um, Dr. Abraham mentioned earlier sees patients in South L.A. He sees children suffering from asthma, elderly patients who have heat-related issues, health issues, and then he sees patients who come down with pollution-linked diseases, you know, cancer, And this is what we talk about when we talk about environmental justice. You know, every evening I extend thanks to the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch and note that Coal River Mountain Watch has been a leader in the struggle for environmental justice and human rights in Appalachia for over 20 years. And when we talk about environmental justice, what we're talking about is the fact that Somehow or another, it always winds up that the poorest people are the ones who wind up getting the sickest while the billionaire class gets richer and richer and richer by putting their toxic facilities right on top of the poor people. Dr. Abraham said, my patients in South L.A., black and brown L.A., they're going to be some of the most vulnerable. Many don't have air conditioning and we're dealing with rising temperatures and heat waves. Went on to say that healthy food is getting more expensive. Transportation is getting more expensive. Imagine having all this investment in electricity, but our patients have to go get their beat-up Chevy to the gas station and contribute to the climate crisis to go and pick our food. Overall, it's not an encouraging picture. And it's not poor folks' fault. It's incredibly hard work to be poor. A poor person probably works harder on an average day than several corporate CEOs combined. And maybe that's the point of being a corporate CEO. So you don't have to work like poor folks. But we live within an economic model that seeks to make the lives of wealthy folks softer at the heartbreaking cost of tens of millions of people who aren't, you know, corporate CEOs and billionaires. And the report also mentions the R word. You know what the R word is. That's right. Reparations. But uh, well, we're not talking about reparations in the sense that the word is frequently mentioned in the United States. No. Um COP27, which is the, UN, uh, the annual UN conference on climate change, 
will be held next month in Egypt. And one of the things they're going to be talking about is the fact that one-third, one-third of the nation of Pakistan was left underwater as thousands of people died. And Pakistan is calling for climate reparations. Carol Devine, who uh, works on climate issues for Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, says it's going to be a big issue at COP, loss and damages, and said if wealthy countries don't come through on previous commitments and add money to deal with health issues in poorer countries, Well, she says humanitarian organizations are going to be overwhelmed. There's only so much Doctors Without Borders can do. There's only so much the Physicians Committee on Human Rights can do. There's only so much that uh, uh, Chef Jose Andres and World Kitchen can do. And then finally, uh, some remarks from Dr. George Benjamin, Executive Director of the American Public Health Association, noted that health care organizations themselves are responsible for about 5.2% of global emissions and about 8% of the emissions in the United States. Dr. Benjamin said we can begin to work a lot more aggressively with revitalizing our hospitals and getting them off the use of fossil fuels. And Tracy adds, don't forget how incredibly expensive it is to be poor as well. Oh, yeah. At one legal screw-up, and you can spend years trying to claw your way out of that. And in terms of cost, fresh food, if you can find it in some communities, brutally expensive. It, you know, it tells me a lot. You know, I've, I've mentioned a million times about you know, my little local grocery store, which I love, the Piggly Wiggly, the Wiggling Pig. And a few nights ago, we were talking about uh, how apparently Dollar General is trying to upscale or capitalize. You, you can buy an avocado at my Dollar General now. You can buy a fresh pineapple. Because this is a, you know, this is a capitalist response to the fact that Dollar Generals are more ubiquitous in this country than real grocery stores. And in some places, they're the only place you can buy anything that isn't absolute junk food. Most everything there, though, is, you know, processed food, canned food, the like. But now you can get some lettuce or an apple or a banana at Dollar General. Wow. Yeah. What else? 
oh so much. And and remember, in in terms of the Lancet article on on climate change and the fossil fuel industry, uh, the fossil fuel industry is in the midst of a of a of a boom, an absolute. Uh, explosion of record profits. And that, you know, that, that tells us something. Lady B says, if the coal industry poisons the air, the water, and the ground of the coal mining states... Why are their citizens so quick to elect politicians who not only will not not bring back their jobs, but dismantle OSHA rules to protect the jobs they have left? This, Lady B, is the is is the curse of the mono economy. Um, when it's all you're told you have, and somebody wants to take what little you have away in the form of you know your job or what, it's a myth. Okay, but it is a, but the power of myth. Check in with Joseph Joseph Campbell on this one. The power of myth is that it has the force of fact in terms of how it informs our daily living. And so, having ri- having lived through the eight years of the Obama war on coal, which was entirely made up, not a word of truth to it. Coal production increased in Obama's first term, not decreased. I remember during his first presidential campaign when he swanned around parts of Appalachia and southern Illinois and Indiana, saying, wherever he was at the time, I, I want to see, I want to see southern Illinois become the Saudi Arabia of coal. That was a big winning line for him back in 2008. And since this program has been on the air, and we're after the fact, noting the anniversary, the, our, our horniversary, um, this program's got some staying power, and we've actually documented some pretty awful shit over the course of nearly two decades. That was one of those awful things. I remember the conniption I had, you know, it, it, Ms. Senator Biden, I mean, uh, Senator Obama, I don't want to be the Saudi Arabia of anything. Have you looked at those people lately? Have you looked at what it means to be a Saudi Arabia? Immigrant women beheaded in the streets because a child died of SIDS? Women unable to walk freely in the streets of Riyadh or where the hell ever? Unable to drive a car? Unable to go out without being accompanied by a male relative? The entire economy run on de facto enslaved people who come to work in Saudi Arabia and have to give up their passports and are not allowed to go back home to Malaysia, to Indonesia, to India. Now, I don't want to be the Saudi Arabia of anything. But people believe the lies they're told. For all I know, they're believing lies they're told. I mean, I know they're believing the lies they're told right now about people like me. 
because when there is a steady flood, tri- uh, flood tide of filth poured into people's ears, no matter how badly you want to avoid it, if you're exposed to it constantly, it will eventually have an impact. That's why, apart from the occasional dipshit clip, I don't watch Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. Because I have more respect for my brain than that. But it's not just Fox. It's not just Newsmuck. I don't know. Is Onan the network that spills its news upon the ground? Are they, are they still around? But it's the toxicity of people like Pink Shrek, Joe Rogaine. And, of course, Alex Jones. And right-wing thought leaders like Neo-Maxi Zoom Dweeby Ben Shapiro. And Lobster Daddy Jordan Peterson. And minds get poisoned. And so I hope that's a little bit of an answer, Lady V. And it and, and you know why are they so quick to elect politicians that you know do more harm than good? Because we have bad and worse politicians in this country, or in this state in particular. And then the so-called left, all too often, is snide and elitist and likes to say things like, well, you people vote against your own interests without bothering to first find out what those interests are. If you lie to people and tell them that a a, 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 a six-week-old clump of cells that looks more like wet popcorn than a human being has a heart and it's beating and the piece of wet, soggy popcorn feels pain, well, that, 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 that preys on... human, actually, sensitivities and basic decency. And you repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it, and the big lie becomes the truth. We've seen it since 2020's presidential election, and God knows we saw it historically. You know, about uh, 90 years ago. Uh, Lady B continues, and I didn't mean to editorialize all over that, Lady B. I apologize. Black folks will protest and sometimes riot over the killing of, a, of another uh, black man by racist cops. A lot of folks, including blacks, uh, take 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 them to task for destroying or taken to task for destroying their own communities. But their jobs were taken away too. Their water, air, and soil is poisoned too. Yeah, uh, look at Cancer Alley. Down around Baton Rouge, or you know, near 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 New Orleans, there's a place called uh, Chalmette, and it's the actual site of the uh, Battle of New Orleans in 1814. 
you know, in 1814, we took a little trip along uh, Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. Yeah, that. And when you stand on the earthen ramparts built by Jackson's troops, you can see just barely past the, 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 an, an entire industrial cluster all around that battlefield. Same thing for Baton Rouge. And I have observed on a number of occasions that, uh, you know, Cancer Alley in Louisiana and the Sacrifice Zone in Appalachia have a lot in common. Uh, they, they just got better. They got they got better uh, foodways. Don't want to negate your community suffering, Robin says Lady B. It's real, but when I hear about the plight of the coal miners, they're either unsung heroes or hillbillies. Whites pushed blacks out of coal mining jobs because the money was good. Mm, it's a little more complicated than that. The United Mine Workers were the, fir- uh, the first integrated labor union from jump. Uh, there, there, there was no segregation. But in the late 40s or early 50s, when the UMW, UNWA sat down to negotiate the new contract with the Bituminous Coal Operators Association, uh, the opening gambit from the bituminous from the operators was to say, "Well, we're going to cut a shitload of jobs because we're going to mechanize." And the UMWA said, "Well, we'll strike." And then they came to an agreement. Mechanization would not be rolled in quite so quickly if the UMWA would run the black folks out of the union. It was a thing. It happened. They speak of coal mining as if it was their own exclusive birthright and that America owes them for powering industry, which is also true. I mean, there was an entire black community in this little town near which I live. And people of color and white folks dug coal, hand-loaded coal, side by side. And everybody looked the same when they came out of the, out of the drift mouth. But yeah, racism had racism absolutely played its part in the economy of coal. And yet, as recently as you know, ten years ago, I was upbraided by black members of the United Mine Workers of America for trying to take away their jobs because they worked for a mountain they worked for a company that did mountaintop removal in southern West Virginia. And then, no, it turned out that the activists who were trying to save them and their families' lives didn't take away their jobs, but the coal company did go bankrupt and took their pensions and acted as if they had never even existed, even though those pension monies were their own monies that they had socked away in exchange for a dignified retirement, you know, if they could live that long without dying of black lung. Lady B says blacks were forced to adapt and change. Yet America, exists, uh, white America, insists we change around them. Please explain. Love you. Hope you slay at the Rocky Horror Picture Show viewing. Oh, I hope so too. There probably won't. I don't know. There may be a couple of photographs. None in the none 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 in the no no. But still, 
Um, thank you for that, Lady D. Where fossil fuels are concerned, there's a lot of demanding that we change around them. I wish I had a copy of it. I need to see about getting one. You should see the memo that was written by Chief Counsel to Columbia Gas Corporation back in the 80s. It talks about the depopulation of West Virginia. The ethnic cleansing of West Virginia. Leaving just enough people here to support the hospitals and the stores and the schools that the remaining energy workers needed who had to live here. And you know what? They did it. They did it under our very noses. So there's some adapting and changing going on here, too. Coal is no longer the single biggest employer in West Virginia. Walmart is. And Walmart don't pay near as much as a coal job does. But you probably won't die hacking, uh, hacking, ha- hacking away for your very last breath from black lung after a career of being uh, abused by corporate out of Bentonville, Arkansas. And yet, even even Tuesday, there was a uh, jobs fair being held at Tamarack in Beckley, trying to find new, or even better yet, people who had experience as underground miners and heavy equipment operators on mountaintop removal sites. And there's another coming to me. In my back, near, near, uh, damn near in my backyard soon. Mountaintop removal, underground mining, coal prep plant, and the whole adapting thing is the problem. Uh, Lady B, if you could see a memo, uh, it was a letter actually. Well, I don't know, memo letter, written by Robert Byrd, shortly before he passed away, knowing that he was. Uh, soon to join the choir invisible. Robert Byrd's morals demanded to be heard. And he said, it's time for us to face the facts. Coal is not going to be the backbone of West Virginia any longer. And that white-headed old statesman who never lost a race in this state was excoriated as a traitor. A traitor to the coal industry. A traitor to coal miners. A traitor to bosses and workers alike. When he had done their bidding the better part of his life. But even he said we have to adapt and change. And so far, 
we're not doing a very good job of adapting or changing, but we are trying. You know, you heard mention on the Green News report of that uh, uh, that. The, the the school bus initiative, the electric school bus initiative, we talked about that here. We've got an electric school bus plant in South Charleston now. And they gave one to a county, uh, gave some school buses to a county school system. And the friends of coal came mouth walking and knuckle breathing out of the hollers to decry the fact that they'll never be able to get up uh, the, 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 the sand mountain. Without a 20-mule team to drag that useless coal bus along as the children freeze to death in, in, the, in, the, in, 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 in the freezing temperatures of May. I'm not making light. Obviously, I love this place. I have a really dysfunctional relationship. We can have better. It's just that a lot of people have kept us from having better for a very long time. And I know Lady B knows exactly what I'm talking about in that right. And it gets worse, says Scott in San Diego. They're firing at us from multiple directions. Earlier today, I was flipping through the TV channels in search of some content that might be edifying, enlightening, and inspirational in these troubled times. I landed on one of the C-SPAN channels. Oh, Scott. And an author talking about the need for a constitutional convention. Oh, the mere, oh, let me guess, an Article 5 convention of the states. Lord, that gives me the vapors and the fantods at the same time. From what I heard, Scott said, there's a segment of society who want to do a big old honking redo of our most fundamental of national documents. This wouldn't be a mere remodel or renovation that would allow the basic framework to remain and be built upon, no. They'll settle for nothing less than a full demolition job and uh, stumbling along from there. Given today's hardline social or political stances and the malignant polarization, if such a convention were actually called, there'd be rivers of blood running just determining the shape of the table they'd be sitting around to hammer out all the details. It's not hard to imagine that things would definitely devolve from there. Hey, I know what's le- I know what let's do. Let's honor, follow, and implement more fully the already existing terms, conditions, rights, and responsibilities of our current Constitution before we start dreaming up something new and not necessary. Lovely idea, Scott, but you've got to understand where this Constitutional Convention of the States comes from. It was included in the original document at the behest of some cranks who were afraid that the federal government, you can tell by the accent, right, was going to go hog-ass wild and just run over the states. And James Madison thought the Article 5 Convention of the States was the dumbest thing he had ever heard. He said so. He even pointed out, you have no idea where that convention will go once it gavels in because there aren't any rules. I should know. I just did that. And Hamilton was over there going, yup. And so what you hear it manifested as these days, and over the and it's been going on for 10, 15 years. My God, I remember when Chank Uger was a big proponent of it. By the way, uh, <laughs> I saw a tweet where Chank recently endorsed 
Caruso for mayor of Los Angeles and said that Karen Bass was an establishment Democrat who doesn't think things are bad. They are. Wants to maintain the status quo. We can't. And that somehow Rick Caruso would make everything all better. This is a point in time where it's worth noting that Cenk Uger, long before he was a progressive superhero, um, was a Republican. Not saying. Just saying. Um, but the he he was into that convention of the states thing, and we and I remember I and particularly Doctor Bill went to great lengths to try to explain what a horrible idea that is. Terrible. Here we are. And people are still prattling on about it. Now, what they want to do, uh, the fetish object that accompanies the Constitutional Convention of the States um, malarkey, they're just going to gavel it in long enough to pass a balanced budget amendment, which is the worst idea in the world after the Convention of the States for a country that gets to print its own money. See, states have to have a balanced budget because they don't get to print their own money. But the United States would be hogtied forevermore by 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 a, a stupid idea like that but it would be a quick and dirty way to turn around and say well sorry folks we can't afford your uh, social security anymore nope can't afford it guess medicare is going to have to go too mm-hmm. yeah any governmental pensions like yeah you know what we could all, we, we could always put it all on the roulette wheel on Wall Street. Uh, y'all would like that, would you? You'd love to have a free Vegas vacation. Imagine having a free Vegas vacation with your health care and your retirement, and you never even get to have to leave have to leave home. You can just say red, no black, red. Oh, it's black. I'm sorry. You're going to die in poverty in your old age. Too bad for you. Free market, y'all. Sorry, I didn't mean to run off like that, but uh, uh, the thing is, they, as soon as they were done with their uh, balanced budget amendment, the next thing they do is somebody says, uh, Mr. Speaker, I would like to speak up in, in behalf of the precious little fetuses. Uh, well, you know, we're here for a limited purpose. There ain't no rules. Rules went out the window when you gaveled this thing in, Mr. Speaker. I demand to be heard. And he would be heard. And then somebody else would stand up and say, You know what? I won't watch that. I think we've dilly-dallied around with this notion of letting the women's vote for about 100 years now. And we've seen how that turned out. And the delegate from South Carolina would say, Absolutely. And you know what? We never should have let non-property owners have the vote. It ain't been nothing but a mess since. And the delegate from Alabama would say, yeah, and while we're at it, let's just get rid of that 13th Amendment altogether. All in favor, say aye. And the next thing you know, it's the Confederacy. It's, not the, it's, it's the United States of Jesus land. And this is not hyperbole. This is what they want. 
Well, they could they could outlaw peaceful assembly. They could outlaw Black Lives Matter. They could outlaw an Antifa, and they could they could they could elevate straight up fascism to the form of government of the United States. And along the way, of course, there'd have to be an amendment noting that uh, this here is a Christian nation. <sighs> and the Jews could look up and say, oh, no, not again. And the Muslims would say, yeah, us too. And the LGBTQ community, well, let's start making pink triangles. When they tell you, when, when people tell you who they are, believe them the first time. Sorry, don't mean to get all squeaky. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not super computer literate, so I don't understand what Randy Radar is here, saying here about the Saudis. Uh, they don't know it yet, but slowly their computers will start to minority and creatively malfunction unless they can totally convert to Chinese computers and software, which, of course, will run on bogarted American technology. Well... And uh, Brother Deacon Asa pointing out, Saudi Aramco's net profits have doubled over last years, but it's Obviously, Biden's fault. What's going on in Saudi Arabia, Asa notes, can basically be summed up to this, a petro-state dick-measuring contest. And, of course, Saudi Arabia is kind of in the position that, say, uh, Britain used to be in. Throughout much of uh, modern-ish European history, Britain took the position that whoever was the hege whoever appeared to be getting close to being the hegemon in Europe they would ally against because having total control of the continent would be bad for Britain so if the hegemon was France and it often was see Napoleon Britain would oppose them when the hegemon was Spain Britain opposed Spain Spanish Armada, anybody? When the hegemon appeared to be emerging as Germany? Well, there was Britain fighting alongside the French. Look at Saudi Arabia right now. What's going on in Ukraine? They find themselves supporting Russia against some notion of <clears throat> Western hegemony, which, of course, is the very same talking point that Putin keeps prattling. When, in fact, Ukraine has never posed a threat to Russia at all. But Ukraine does have some very, very sweet frack gas under its, uh, under its sunflowers. And while Putin's got a lot of gas, he'd like to have all the gas and not have to pay those tolls anymore for running pipelines under Ukrainian soil. It's complicated, but it's also not. And so you've got Saudi Arabia work. At, and talk about strange bedfellows. You've got Saudi Arabia getting all friendly with Putin. 
And then at the same time, you've got Iran getting all friendly with Mavrasha and sending what are being described as kamikaze drones to Ukraine. And meanwhile, you've got Putin on Russian TV saying that he's protecting Mother Russia from the genders. See how it works? It's how it works. Balanced budget amendment, Lee in New York says, the way to require budget cuts because of the self-funding tax cuts. You get it. You get it, Lee. Hey, maybe at the Convention of the States they could do away with the IRS altogether and install another one of their fetish objects, the flat tax, which, of course, would land on the backs of poor and working people uh, with a hell of a lot more force and impact than it would land on the billionaire class. Wow. Um, if you'd like to be part of the conversation, jump on in. We're trying to finish off the month of October. We've got a uh, an estimated $640 to go to finish October. Oh, and uh, let's let's take a look. Yeah, there we go. Brother Deacon Asus is, yes, the flat tax, 999, baby. Shucky ducky. We we talked probably, oh, no, not Hal Lindsey. Didn't Hal Lindsey warn us, Scott in San Diego asks? I'm telling you, we'll be seeing the welcome to Gog and Magog road signs before long. Oh, Help me, sweet Jesus. Probably in in the process of republishing the entire Cal Lindsay catalog right now, though, Scott. You're not wrong. We talk a good bit on this program about the rise of Nazism and fascism and white supremacy and so-called white nationalism, which is just white supremacy with a different toe tag. We talk about it a lot here because other people aren't talking about it so much. I mean, Ron, Ron, Ron DeSantis isn't a Nazi. I mean, just because Nazis love him doesn't mean... Oh, hush. Well, it turns out yeah, there's there's just something bizarre about saying Nazis in Maine. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Sorry, not making fun. Of my, you know, but no, uh, there's an and and the fact that he's an ex-Marine. Gee, I wonder how a Marine gets radicalized to become a Nazi. Well, he did. 35-year-old Christopher Polhouse. His online alias is, of course, Hammer. 
really. Not Taser Face. Uh, he's a he's a big presence on neo Nazi Telegram, and he's in the process of building a property in Maine to turn Maine into an all white ethno state. To see these Nazis sit around furiously masturbating their fantasies of an all white ethno state, they think about them in places like. Idaho, and they think about it in places like Maine. They've thought about it for, from time to time in places like West Virginia. Well, he's tied in with a uh, nasty-ass extremist group in New England in this effort to bring about a Maine white ethno-state. Um, among other things, he coordinated, uh, and this is all from Vice News, he coordinated a uh, racist counter-protest at the anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. Has suggested that uh, crises be brought on by interrupting the food supply by murdering over-the-road truck drivers via sniper fire. He even had some connection to the doofus who stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop on January 6th. Why Maine? Because Maine is, to this day, one of the whitest places in America. Um, he's also been known to uh, want to stockpile ammunition for a race war much as they're doing now in Idaho where the Republicans have jumped right in bed with the neo-Nazis And this guy, Polehouse, isn't even a Mainer. He's from Arizona, Stan. But he went to Maine because he was moving, uh, moving up there to, uh, to work in closer contact with a bunch of white supremacists who are already there. He told Vice... A tight-knit community of guys that, you know, we want to live near each other. To make Maine a Nazi state would take very, very little effort and change to their mentality and the demographics of the state. So he thinks that Mainers are already predisposed to being Nazis. Of late, he was photographed with a group called NSC-131. They're a Nazi group that has chapters all over... New England, and uh, two dozen guys with their faces masked because, of course, they're chicken shit cowards. They dressed all in black, 
and they marched around with a with a banner attacking the Somali community in Maine. And uh, in in one video of uh, Pole House says. Uh, uh, the Somalis need to leave my state. You don't want to wait until Mainers give us the green light. Says the guy from Arizona. Uh, he says, no, I'm not a member of NSC 131. I just support those guys and offer a helping hand to the community whenever and wherever. Uh, NSC-131 bragged about uh, being at January 6th. The founder of NSC-131 is a 23-year-old Nazi asshole by the name of uh, Chris Hood. On Telegram, the uh, the night of January 5th, he bragged, Chris Hood did. NSC New England is in Washington to ensure white safety. Um, uh, The Hood asshole noting. uh, I think everyone should be nervous about the FBI. Well, um, maybe every Nazi. Oh, and over on TuneIn, um, remember, we're just kind of keeping track of this now. Uh, over on TuneIn, uh, Tracy tells me they've been running ads for HealthNet, Capital One, Ashley Furniture, and some shoe company I've never heard of. Uh, well, and it's all being done. Uh, again, we're not being compensated for that. Thanks for keeping track. And you do learn the darndest things sometimes. How many times have you had uh, a package delivered? And you look on the bottom of the box and you see a name. U-L-I-N-E. U-Line. Well, they're almost, they're, they're ubiquitous. They supply shipping materials and, you know, boxes and the like to a ton of companies that do mail order business. They are a private company, Uline, owned by Dick and Liz Uline, only not U-L-I-N-E, but U-I-H-L-E-I-N. Dick and Liz are from Illinois, and Dick and Liz are fascist enablers. 
they have given more money than anybody else to the gubernatorial campaign of Pennsylvania GOP candidate uh, uh, candidate uh, Doug Mastriano. Doug Mastriano, in turn, being, of course, at Janu- the January 6th rally, although he didn't enter the Capitol. Doug Mastriano, linked to a notorious uh, Jew hater. Dick and Liz have also given money to Jim Marchant. He's the GOP nominee for Secretary of State in Nevada, who hopes to win in November so that he can invalidate the vote, if need be, in 2024. He's been running on the fact that that Marchant has uh, that he opposed certifying the election of Joe Biden. Dick and Liz Uline provide money to various and sundry uh, election deniers and spreaders of filth and disinformation about the 2020 election. They gave money to Restoration of America. ProPublica, who wrote this report, got an internal document that says that the goal of Restoration America is to, quote, get on God's side of the issues and stay there, as well as to punish leftists. Wonder what the hell that means, get on God's side of the issues and stay there. Well, I'm pretty sure they got what they wanted with the Dobbs decision, but they're not done yet until they've made abortion unobtainable in every state in the Union. Punish leftists. Are we talking about imprisoning people for their political beliefs? Probably. Or maybe just a little, you know, a little, little creative curb stomping here and there. N- little, little known, but ProPublica notes that Dick and Liz Uline are the number because we're so used to talking about Leonard Leo and the Cokes and. Uh, Dick and Liz Uline are the number one federal campaign donors for Republicans going into the November 8th, 8th elections. They're the number two donors behind uh, overall. Only George Soros gives more money. They've dropped a hundred, but you know, George Soros doesn't give any money to people who uh, seek to overturn constitutional governance in the United States. But they've dropped $121 million on state and federal elections in the last two years. Among other things, they hate taxes, of course. They hate unions. They hate people they, they hate people who want to manage their own reproductive choices. And of course, because they want to get on God's side of the issue and stay there, they oppose, wait for it, the legalization of cannabis. Really? 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 
all of this from selling boxes. ProPublica had to dig around a bit because they're not publicly traded. They're private, so it's really hard to get hold of their financial uh, information. But with uh, COVID and the rise of direct shipping and not going out, back in 2002, Uline had $18 million in income. In 2018... Their income rocketed to seven hundred and twelve million. And then COVID hit and it really boomed. It's kind of depressing though. They're, 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 they didn't start out with boxes. It's a German family. Their original money came from brewing Schlitz beer. And they used to be the darlings of the society pages of the Chicago Tribune. And of course, they've also given oodles of money to America First Action, an undeniably Nazi organization. And, uh, it must have had a ring to it when the America First group was recreated by Nitwit Nero. Because way back in the day, uh, the ancestors of this bunch gave oodles of money to the America First Committee. You know, led by Charles Lindbergh, who thought that Mr. Hitler was really keen. And, of course, um, uh, Lindbergh would go on to give a breathtakingly open uh, speech about how he hate, hated Jews. Funny how the money just sticks around and keeps doing the same nasty things. Um, and uh, of course the uh, Edgar Uline Jr. in 1963 was on the National Finance Committee of the John Birch Society remember the Koch brothers daddy helped fund their founding as well When Dr. Strangelove came out in the early 1960s and contained those passages, those now famous scenes of of General Jack D. Ripper explaining to uh, Group Captain Lionel Mandrake about fluoride, Mandrake, fluoride, and little children's ice cream, they were pulling directly from the John Birch Society. So basically this family has funded right-wing hate 
for generations upon generations. Inveighing against the uh, March on Washington in 1963, led by Dr. King, uh, the Birch Newsletter said, The only good Americans who should have anything to do with this communist-instigated mob in any way or pay any attention to it in Washington are the police required to maintain law and order. One of the scions of the family was was, was big in funding segregation. He helped bring to Chicago a guy named Edwin Walker, who was a former U.S. attorney who would tell anybody who would listen to him that the drive for civil rights among African Americans was a communist-inspired plot and referred to Reconstruction, which didn't get a chance, as the tyranny within our own white race. And that and and, and, and that U line is the daddy of Dick. And uh He followed in Daddy's footsteps. Giving an interview in 2018 to that racist bastion, the National Review, uh, he said, My father would talk about the importance of capitalism and the evils of socialism. My father shared many of the same values that I have, conservative values. And then they... uh, smartened up and moved a shit ton of their money into a family foundation which now pumps millions of dollars into fascist right-wing organizations you know what's amazing is I have gotten the Uline catalog here at home Never bothered to open it, but lo and behold, in the back of that catalog that I received, there's a pay-on to Edgar Uline Jr. Father Uline, the head of the family, had a towering presence, and we respected his values. I remember the frequent dinners. This was Liz writing. I remember the frequent dinners at his house where business issues of the day, fishing, muskies, and always politics were discussed. And then closing, Liz remembered a better America. Living your life and raising your kids were easier in an earlier time. There was no legalized marijuana, defund the police, or social media. We, like so many billionaire families, no, no, she didn't say, but we, like so many families, were raised with a sharp moral compass. The rules were the rules. But it was okay. 
And I know we hate it when I bring it up, but uh, it, uh, uh, Dick also uh, funds the American Principles Project, which spends every waking moment despising and doing everything impossible to immiserate people like me. And they also spend time grunting about abortion and hooting about critical race theory. They've been involved in the recall of school board members who wanted to protect children from COVID-19. They also despise those school board members for equity training for teachers. He's dropped $50 million, Dick has, on the GOP candidate for governor of Illinois. And that guy went around saying that uh, the Holocaust doesn't even compare to what abortion has done to America. That same gubernatorial candidate, remember when the Freedom Protector, uh, when, the, when, when the Second Amendment freedom broke out at that parade in Illinois, uh, that same gubernatorial candidate said, well, let's take a moment to offer our thoughts and prayers, and now let's get back to the 4th of July. Darren Bailey, that same governor, uh, gubernatorial candidate, says that, uh, well, the Democrats are trying to put perversion into our schools. simply because schools don't sufficiently hate different children enough. And it is a real hell, it's a real shithole to work for Uline. Women are not allowed to wear pants at Uline. Except on Friday when they can wear a pants suit. Women must wear pantyhose or stockings. Women may not wear skirts that are too short. And sort this one out. Women are forbidden from wearing corduroy of any sort. Corduroy? Dress code violations are taken seriously and may result in disciplinary action up to and including termination. The following is not appropriate at any time. Dresses or skirts that are too short. Tops that are too revealing. Shorts of any kind. Jeans or denim of any kind, pants, skirts, jackets, dresses, corduroy of any kind, pants, skirts, jackets, dresses, sweats of any kind, pants, skirts, jackets, halter tank or strapless tops, gym shoes or sneakers. Jesus, if you're a woman working for this fascist uh, family company, what do you got to wear? What do you got to wear? Four inch, four inch uh, uh, CFM pumps to work. Leggings, stretch, or stirrup pants, flannel shirts, 
tops that leave the midriff uncovered, layered T-shirts, logoed shirts or tops, slacks with a sweater or blouse, except for Friday. They're they're, they're about two-thirds of the way toward burkas now, aren't they? Tardy is one minute past the scheduled start time. Only four personal items are allowed on employees' desks. Those four items can only measure an aggregate five inches by seven inches. One person who worked there had to remove little drawings that their kid had made. Liz would walk up and down the aisles, and if your desk looked off, you'd be written up. And they use their employees to manage their multiple uh, housing properties. Uh, ProPublica even under uh, uh, even uh, uh, uncovered an email to an official in Everglades City, Florida, uh, to complain because they'd seen surveillance footage showing a local man peeing off Dick's dock. I don't think I could say that three times fast. And uh, uh, you have to give Liz Uline a Wisconsin accent. Thank you, Ralph. Yeah, because uh, Liz runs day-to-day operations from the company's Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin headquarters right over the Illinois border. She says, yeah, we answer the phones faster than 9-11. Bet she'd make the trains run on time, too. And uh, they've got a major distribution center in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, where the entertainment for a party was a Donald Trump impersonator. They hold indoctrination lunch and learn sessions where they bring in people like Snot Walker, former governor of Wisconsin, And now that they've become more known, uh, back in 2018, people began calling and canceling their uh, canceling their orders and canceling their uh, accounts. There's even a website out there now called Refuse Uline that offers alternatives to dealing with the company. Liz, of course, put Uline workers at risk by forcing them to come in and work even before the vaccine was out during uh, the the worst of COVID. In 2020, their sales shot up some 14% to $6.5 billion. And even though Dick and Liz are 
in their upper 70s. The next generation's ready to go. Another gang of goose-stepping little fascists are in executive positions there. Uh, if you want to, if you want to delve deeply into this, uh, go to ProPublica.org. It helps to know these things. That cardboard box in your home is fueling election denial. Is the name of the article. I read it earlier this morning. <laughs> wow. But it's 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 not surprising. This is the way the Third Reich happened, too. Fritz Tyson, anybody? The Krupp family? He was good for business. And business is what matters. I can't imagine what it would be like to work for a shithole company like this. But people need jobs. And, of course, nobody working there has the protection of a union. I guess it would be almost impossible to organize one. But what if, I guess it's illegal under Taft-Hartley, isn't it? I was going to say, what if union, uh, what, if, what, if, what if union transportation companies, you know, Teamsters, refuse to carry their product? But we can't... Uh, we can't have that in Merca now, can we? Uh, Lady B has been commenting along the way. I think Pootie's going to leave the Arab countries along and then throw them away like a used Kleenex, although lately I'm wondering if his rule will survive this. His war in Ukraine is stupid and ugly. We'll see. Well, he's bigger. He's bigger than Ukraine. And I just happened to be watching my filthy morning habit this morning and uh, listening and, and, and note. And, Heard a story about how uh, the the uh, the will of the American people to keep sending money to Ukraine is growing a little bit thin when people are having such a hard time here. Oh, you simple fox! I mean, it did, I, I did. I barked a little. I did. I was up early. I did. I barked a little because it's like, oh, wait, you you think if we took. The billions of dollars we're sending to Ukraine that the Republicans would turn around and say, hey, let's give everybody in America a big money check. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No, I want to say something ugly, but I'm not going to. involves kissing. Uh, they might give a massive tax cut to the billionaires. But they have the American people right where they want them, done to a tender turn, complaining about gas prices and grocery prices. And don't think for a minute that the, the, that the goddamn Republicans don't know what the cause of that is. Corporate profits, because the corporate profits that are blowing through the roof are also blowing into Republican campaign accounts. But the, but the multimillionaires, my filthy morning habit... I guess they can't do that much nuance. Uh, Lady B says, get on God's side of the issues. Reminds me of that article I sent you. Don't share if you risk offending anyone. But wow, it was fascinating. No, it it was fascinating. As to the marijuana, Lady B. Oh, no, said Lady B. 
puffing on her joint nonchalantly. I'm going to stop smoking right now. I don't want to become a jailed juvenile delinquent with no job and living with her parents. A little sarcasm cowbell for Lady B there. Um, oh, and uh, Lady B says, uh, Robin, ask the Horn Research Committee to look up that guy who worked at a water plant and had been secretly diluting a fluoride mixture in his town's water for years. He said he had been misled. He's really sorry no, but now, so we cool, right? I read that story, too. How long ago was that? Uh, uh, conservative values, Randy Radar notes. Uh, you mean like humping and getting pregnant multiple women, paying for their abortions, and then lying about it repeatedly? The very ones, Randy Radar, the very ones. Gift idea, says Scott in San Diego. The Uline clan could use a couple dozen <coughs> special brownies. By special, I don't mean just pot. Make them with X-Lax, so while they're spending quality time sitting there, maybe they'll think some deep, positive thoughts for a while. Now, now, I know you're only kidding. Agent Fred, Scott's only kidding. Right? Right. And so, uh, let's uh, run over to the stress line and see what's going on. Hey, welcome to the program. Hey, honey. Well, hey, how are you? Uh, you know, just, you know, I know I called yesterday, and I hadn't planned on calling, but I was just but I, thirst, but I but I, but I, but I shot your Thursday straight to hell, didn't I? You know, I mean, but this, you know, okay, so you saw the picture of that ramen that I sent you, right? I did. It looked lovely. It, oh, it was wonderful. But here's the problem. I walked into this restaurant. I, it's, a, it's called Silver Lake Ramen. And they have, um, you get a chance, Google them. They have them all over L.A. And they have some, you know, down south. But, like, the closest to you, I think, would be in Atlanta. But even you, um, amazing ramen, amazing, amazing broth and all that. So I walk in, and it's, it's like one of those scenes when the, you know, the, the bad guy or whatever walks into the uh, saloon or whatever, and it gets quiet. Something kind of like Alice Blazing Saddles when uh, uh, when Clee Bomb Little walks in. And I'm like, you know, what's the issue? But then I remember, realized what I had on. So I have on a T-shirt that says equality with the U as a rainbow. And then I had on my Black Panther. <laughs> uh, let's see, what does it say? It's a, it's a, a, a hoodie, a, a red hoodie. With um, uh, established in 1966, Oakland Republic, and on the back is a, a, a picture of the uh, instead of a bear on the flag of California as a black panther. <laughs> so I guess I'm pretty sure the white people were just like, "It's one of those things. the people, run, run." Probably gonna start. She's gonna, she gonna, she gonna ruin our ramen with, with 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 some Black Lives Matter, Antifa, critical race theory, transgender propaganda. Right. And I'm just, but and me being because there was what the white there was a white family right across from, the table across from me, and I was listening to the guy that you sent me the link to, just as he was talking about the commercial. Uh, bad 
maggot uh, babble for maggots? Did you hear that commercial? Did you hear that commercial? No, no, no. I, no, I was talking. I was talking about the brother who was talking in that inside that clip. I don't know what was. Going I know, on. but I listened. To, I listened to the whole. Okay, no. Well, I listened to the whole show, and so they have these commercials, and one was you know Babel, and you know what Babel is the uh, yeah language know, like, learning. You you want to learn a new language? Yeah, do you want to learn a new language? Well, we have you know Babel for maggots or maggots. <laughs> It was like it goes from just passively racist to full-blown white supremacist. <laughs> now you, too, will be able to converse with family members saying, you know, all lives matter. <sighs> oh, God, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. So, And there was this guy who's sitting across from me, and he had on a red hat, but it didn't say, you know, See, whatever, now when I see white men or white people, period, or Kanye West with a red cap on, I get triggered because it's like, you know, they're trying to be cute. Uh, you know, I don't know. Hey, they're just like, you know, red's my favorite color. So there's always a chance that you may see me in a red baseball cap. But, uh, yeah, not anymore. But still, right now, I'm like, okay, so are they just trying to be funny? And, you know, they think they're being coy by not having full-blown Make America Great Again on the hat. Or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and it's gotten to that, and, and we have gotten to that point, Robin. We have gotten to that yeah. point where you you just don't know. And again, just because I'm in California don't mean shit. It does not mean shit at all. Like I said, y'all are people, on the yeah. I, we 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 talk about that. Y'all are on the list too. We're on the list. We're on the list. I mean, they did it. They did it to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And it's these these people who think could actually have you know the young man or the guy that took Luna are you know. Are, her former dog. Um, he was born and raised in Wisconsin, and it breaks his heart to talk about, to think about what happened to his state. You know, to 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 be there and see, you know, and know what the, your state used to be like, and to see what it's like now. Come on. But just, just the, 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 but the, like I said, the, and I, I was, and there was these white people, and I smiled because they, they had a baby with them, little toddlers, and I smiled, and they just looked at me like, <laughs> like, bitch, how dare you? And then, here's, okay, so now we got the creepy factor. So, there was the older white guy. I mean, there was an age, two Asian young ladies. I, they, I think maybe Japanese, not sure. And they had their baby, like, what, you know, somebody, and there was a toddler, a little, maybe a year and a half or so. And this, this old creepy white guy kept came, coming over and, and engaging with this little baby. And I'm looking like, dude, why are you fucking around with this kid? You know, and these Asian women, they were trying to, you know, they're like, uh, buddy. You know, what, what's the fucking deal? 
it was just the creepiest thing I have ever seen. I mean, he was like, the little boy was, you know, like there was one point um, he dropped the paper wrapper from his chopsticks, from the chopsticks, and the old man kept picking it up and giving it, and it's like, dude, why do you think that these people want the little ba- the baby to play with a paper that's been on the floor? And every time, I mean, it's like, it was just, it, it's that white privilege, you know, that people, white people engage with us or people with, you know, uh, babies that act themselves they can have the right just to engage. I, I think I told you this years ago, Jen and I were at this restaurant. We were on our way back from um, um, Rincon, the Harris and Rincon, and we stopped in Corona, which is in Riverside County, which is, you know, not the most diverse county in, in, in Southern California. And there was this black couple at the restaurant and their baby was in the the stroller. You know, these white, this white woman got up as they were leaving and walked over and picked up the baby out the carriage, out of, out of their stroller, and sort of, and just bouncing the baby around. Like, I'm like, that's right there, Ken, to touch in my hair. Pretty much, I yeah. walk up? <laughs> you know? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I would never, ever, ever, ever just walk up, and I'm black. You, and I wouldn't walk up on a black couple and, and just pick up a child. It's just Jesus. You know, it's like, I'm just going to pick up your child and play with it, and, you know, with your baby. And, you know, you don't have to, and, and I dare you to say something about it. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, and, and here's the worst part. I don't think they even thought that there was a problem with it. It's like, you know, because yeah. I mean, the whole time, and, and he would go, he would go sit back at his table, and then a five, a couple of minutes later, he'd get back up and start messing with these people's this baby. And I'm like, I had to go, I had to go because I, 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 I was a step away from saying something. Because you could tell that these women looked, they were very uncomfortable with what was going on. But what were they going to say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, today, one of those days where I was, I, yeah, it's starting to cool off. And so now I'm beginning to feel what happened to my body because I was walking and I'm like, oh, God, I hurt. So it's like, yeah. I mean, I know compared to what, you know, for me, 50, I, you know, 55, 50 degrees and sunny, how dare I? But still, for me, it hurt. it's still cold, cooler, and it's getting damp, too. All that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you you're, about, you're kind of losing me there. Uh, I know. I have no, I, I get no, can I get a, just a, a little bit of empathy? Yeah, okay. For the pain? Smidgen, smidgen. A smidgen. Just, you know, a modicum of, of sympathy, just Something just, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not trying to, um, you know, run into the, you know, expecting me to feel bad because my idea of cool and is 50 degrees and then, you, you know, and the sun's still out. So I, I, <coughs> I will leave that part alone, but still. 
Yeah, I'm just checking here. So, yeah, 49, so, 49. It's 49 degrees. <laughs> yeah. So the people that I get boxes from, you line. Yes. So they're pretty fucking... Uh, baby, were you were telling me... Well, you were not telling me directly, but I'm listening to this stuff. Holy shit. It's terrifying. Oh, and then on top of that... uh Oh, God, I just lost my train of thought. There was something, but I was just listening to them, and I'm like, oh, so you like, like when you first start your uh, business and you, um, you know, trying to set a business credit, this was one of the biggest companies, one of the easiest companies to get business credit from. Oh, them, I'm sure. You like. And I'm like, I'm... And I was about to open up an account for business supplies and office supplies. Are you done? So I'm really, really glad. No, well, no. I, I mean, I've ordered from them years ago when I was working for another company. They were one of our major suppliers. So, yeah. These are some of the, some evil motherfuckers. Yeah, they truly, yeah. And, 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 and again, again, the parallels with, say, you know, late 20s, 1930s Germany, where the wealthy family said, hey, this could work out really cool for us. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you were talking about it towards the end, when you were talking about how, you know, these people are in their 70s, so they're like, you know, a little older than my mom. But, you said, but then you said, but don't worry. You know, the next generation is raring to go. And it makes me think about all these idiots that keep saying, well, things will change once those, you know, those old races die because of young. And I'm like, uh, who do you think they're teaching their ways to? And there you go. You case in point what you just said about those people. Yeah, those people then. Yeah, it's okay if you those people then. Those, go ahead. And, those people, yeah, go ahead, go those ahead and those people, those people. I, those people, those people. But, and like we were talking about earlier about the the twenty three year old Nazi, mm-hmm. these people are not are, are reproducing. They, they yeah, but, but uh, are not, you're absolutely, you're not wrong. But I, for me, the inquiry when when you hear twenty three year old Nazi and thirty five year old ex marine Nazi is. Who made them Nazis? Nazis are made, not born. Who made them Nazis? Right. I mean, granted, some of them were radicalized. You know, these, the, what do they call the um, economically anxious or whatever they are, or, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't have the reverb anymore, but economic anxiety. I miss my reverb sometimes. Yeah, that part. That part. So, and here we are. And here we are. The bottom line is, baby, that ramen was banging. Oh, you know, they do make ramen over at Kobe Asian Fusion. I I, I think as the weather grows cooler, there's going to be some ramen in there. They make it. Their spicy ramen's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. They also have, to have a ramen. They have a ramen that's a Cajun ramen. No, no, quit that. Has, that's wrong. Huh. 
No, no. I mean, well, it, okay, it, it, no, 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 no. It could, it could, no, it could be, it could be, it could. Uh, yeah, okay. It's fusion ramen. Right. So it comes with um, this, you know, spicy sausage, shrimps. There's no broth, um, and but it has the Cajun seasoning on the noodles, and it has like corn. It's really good. Oh, it sounds pretty. But that's one of those. It sounds pretty okay. I'm not sure that I'm willing to call it ramen, but it sounds pretty okay. I'm, I'm spoiled. <laughs> I think of, I think of ramen. I think of that little ramen joint in Philly. And these are both places that I've dined with Chris in Germany. I think about that little ramen joint in, in Philly. Okay. And then I forget the Mr. Ramen or something like that, Lower East Side of Manhattan. That was the most exquisite bowl of ramen I've ever eaten in my life. Well, actually, this is the first time that I've actually dined in the restaurant. I typically, when I get it, I get it to go. And they, they you know, separate, you know, the 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 broth is separate from the noodles and because it has you know spinach, uh, green onions, mm. um, not, and you know of course the egg, and it was the clear chicken broth. Not bad. This the, the, there was mm-hmm. a, there was an opaque garlic. It was it was almost a white opaque garlic broth on the on the ramen in Philly, and just so so rich. By the way, going back to Uline for a minute, Jude just wrote in and said, my company stopped dealing with Uline some time back, even though the products needed are delivered within 24 hours, and oftentimes needed product, standing collectively. And Jude said, to all the community, do know that you are each enfolded in my morning and every evening meditation. Yes, collectively. I find it offers me moments of complete stillness so aligned with standing behind those boots. Never to be forgotten, dear community, in my heart, warmly, Jude. Thank you, Jude. Thank you for that. It does something for my spirit to know that you do include the community in your meditations. And as I wrap things up here, I need to send out thanks to Brian in Georgia. Thank you, Brian. Um, We are now down to $615 to go to finish October. Because, you know, I missed on on Tuesday, you know, so... But I will be here tomorrow. Oh, that was quick. Sorry, Tracy. Um, I will be here tomorrow at least for most of it. I'm going to try to get into my get-up for Rocky Horror. And I'm actually broadcasting my Rocky Horror get-up. Uh, i got to get out tomorrow and find some really tacky, huge, ugly pearls. Oh, well. Uh, We'll improvise. Uh, but I will be here tomorrow evening for Friday on the front porch. We'll start the front porch early. I won't fill a robster for an hour. That way we'll have, you know, a good two hours of front porchery. So take note. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you so much. You're such a big part of why this program exists. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you so much to our anonymous friend for the... Uh, uh, the uh, 17 year anniversary contribution. Anybody else that wants to jump in? Ralph's uh, would, would like to see some $17 contributions. That would be wonderful. Uh, thank you to our a la carte contributors. Yes. Thank you to each and every one of you who participate in this program in whatever manner you so choose. Thank you to our all volunteer staff. Thank you to Sparky in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. 
Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on dot live. Remember, brand new Fresh Malloy on the way, 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. The best place to listen to the first run of Malloy is head on dot live. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, as noted earlier, 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, proud union shop, and of course the AIC campaign is a, is a campaign of Coal River Mountain Watch. HR 2073 needs your support as this Congress winds down. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be just wild to see that pass the House of Representatives in the waning days of this Congress? It'd be a big boost going into the next one. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Wear your mask when you're among the maggot un, and unwashed and unvaccinated. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Keep your social distance 15 to 20 feet like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And, of course, uh, if, if, some, if you run across some 77-year-old lady uh, opining about the good old days when people knew their places, uh, avoid her like, uh, avoid, avoid that fascist like the plague. And, by the way, see what you can do about not doing business with Uline. You know, if you value your freedom. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later.